Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents the 10th Inning Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about the wide world of baseball, keeping you up to date on America's national pastime. Now, here are your hosts, Jack Miller and Caraguno. Welcome back to another episode of the 10th Inning Podcast here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Your host, Carol Guno, alongside Jack Miller. And we've got some returning guests back in the house tonight, Riley Adams and Justin Locke with us. Again, thank you so much, guys, for joining us. It's going to be a good episode today, Jack. We've yeah. got we got pretty much a Hall of Fame theme to our episode mm-hmm. today. That's what I would say. Yeah. A lot of Hall of Fame you know, players that are... In the Hall of Fame now, next year's, next year's ballots we got to talk about, and we got a little fun segment at the end just to kind of wrap things up. But I mean, Jack, I think we got a lot really to talk about today, even with some trades and you know moves sprinkled in there as well. Yeah, a big thing though. Sixty-three days until opening day. We're always counting down here. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, sixty-three days till opening day. But these guys already had their opening day, their final day in the MLB, and uh, in the Hall of Fame now is Scott Rowland. And quietly, Fred McGriff uh, gets inducted to, into the Hall of Fame. Um, I thought it was very weird that um, Scott Rowland got this huge thing like, oh, he's in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. And then MLB just silently posts, oh, also Fred McGriff's in here. So, I mean, but both these guys definitely deserve it. Um, honestly, in my opinion, I think Fred McGriff should have gotten a bigger praise just because I feel like Fred McGriff had more of an impact than Scott Rowland. Um, but what were your guys, uh, Justin Riley, what were your guys' initial thoughts to both these guys being in the Hall of Fame, do they deserve it? I mean, in my opinion, I definitely think these guys deserve it. Um, but what, were your, what uh, Justin, we'll start with you. What was, what was your initial reaction to both these guys getting the Hall of Fame? Of course, I was happy for both of them. I mean, they both deserve to be there. I think McGriff, of course, as you said, kind of didn't get as much praise as Roland. I think it's because Roland got a lot more votes in the yeah uh, the ballots. So I, I think that they were just like, oh, Roland got this many votes way over the margin or whatever it was. But again, I mean, Roland... Seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove winner. I mean, he played for the Phillies, of course, and uh, he had a good career. I mean, third baseman, I mean, he was solid. And McGriff, first baseman, uh, won a World Series with the Braves yeah. in 95. So, I mean, he did really good things. I mean, I just feel like the Hall of Fame is really hard to get into. And, of course, these two are really talented baseball players, and I'm glad they're in there. Yeah, Scott Rowland, also Rookie of the Year, and Fred McGriff, as you mentioned, won the World Series with the Braves, and both these guys just had a huge impact in the late 90s and in the early 2000s. Riley, what do you think of both these guys getting the Hall of Fame? You, I'm assuming you think they both deserved it, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, I did. I do think they both deserve it. I did see some things on social media of people saying, oh, like, maybe there's somebody better, but I, I didn't think so. Um, I think it was a long time coming, especially since they did so much in the late 90s and early 2000s. Like, So I'm happy that for both of them that they're finally in there. Yeah. Kara, what did you think of it? I thought it was cool, too. Like, I, like to your point, Jack, I think it was Scott Rowland rolling, rolling everywhere. It was all over Twitter. Yeah. It was all over, you know, CBS Sports. And then you're like, oh, Fred McGriff. And yeah. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, yeah. he deserves, obviously, the credit, too. So I just think it's it's happy for them as well. But um I saw that, that Roland is the 18th third baseman ever in the, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And only him and Chipper Jones are the only full-time third baseman to begin their careers after 82 and then voted into the Hall of Fame. So that's kind of yeah. insane to me that, that somebody like that gets put in. Like you said, Justin, it's like so hard to get into the Hall of Fame. And for them to get in here, I think it's like a long time coming. And, and it's good for the game of baseball to see them in the Hall of Fame. And hopefully they get the recognition that obviously they deserve. Yeah, it's an interesting point you made, that you made that... Both Chipper Jones and Scott Rowland were the only third basemen to play third baseman full time to actually be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think that I think from current players right now, I think that we can say that Arenado is probably that next third baseman yeah. that's played there full time to be in the Hall of Fame next. Um, but yeah, the, both these guys. I mean, a lot of third basemen now uh, like go to shortstop or come from shortstop yeah. to play third. I mean, we thought Correa was going to be a third baseman this year when he signed with the Mets. Right. So, um, but yeah, both. I, and I thought it was very weird because I feel like McGriff had more of an impact on the game of baseball than Scott Rowland, and Scott Rowland got a lot of the praise. But I mean, both. I, I think Justin's point though that. Um, Scott Rowland got more votes, so yeah. he got more of a praise of it. But I think Fred McGriff had more of an impact yeah, on, on the game, game than uh, than Scott Rowland. But, 
I mean, were you, were Scare, were you confused too that I mean that Scott Rowland got most of this praise and McGriff didn't? I mean, yeah, I think so too. I think also being in this area of like the Philly market, and I think on my like Twitter timeline, it was Rowland, Rowland, Rowland because he played with the Phillies. But I'm thinking now, like on his plaque with their baseball team, is he going to put? For the Phillies, is he going to put for the the Cardinals? Because I, I think he said that he played more games with the Phillies. It's, I'm looking at the stats, just the numbers right now: 844 games versus 661 with the Cardinals. But he did have more All Star game selections and appearances with the Cardinals, four versus one, um, and fourth in the and, and, uh, MVP voting with the Cardinals in 2004. So, do you think he's going to, you know, which team is he going to kind of associate more with with the on the plaque? Do you think he's going to lean towards the Philly side or? the Cardinal side I think that would be kind of that's kind of cool to think about too when you have that choice I know he played for two other teams late in his career but I think that's kind of just cool to have the choice I mean I know a lot of players obviously get traded and whatnot but back then it's it's just cool to see somebody I don't I'm, I'm assuming he'll I don't know what do you guys think I'm not sure what team he's gonna pick to kind of represent him in the Hall of Fame yeah I mean you gotta for Scott Rowland it's difficult just because of the different amount of teams that he played for um, you got to probably think it's the one that he played for most. I mean, when they showed the clip of him telling his mom that he was inducted to the Hall of Fame, uh, the Cincinnati Reds posted that video. Right. Which he ended his career with Cincinnati, but still appeared as a two-time All-Star with the Reds. Uh, he had four All-Stars with uh, the Cardinals and one with the Phillies. So, I mean, I think since he was four-time all-star with the Cardinals. I feel like that the Cardinals are probably that team to, I guess, quote-unquote, represent Scott Rowland just because he had a better uh, stat lines with the Cardinals as well. That was the, the, that was prime Scott Rowland and was with the, with the Cardinals. Uh, Do you, I mean, do you guys both agree Cardinals are are the team he's going to represent? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, so um, looking at some future Hall of Fame candidates um this is 2024 um hall of fame candidates that um actually we'll say that for later i want to i want to talk about this now actually that um mariano rivera was a unanimous hall of famer um and he had uh but there's one relief pitcher that i think deserves it at the same level as mariano rivera uh billy wagner uh he had i think he had he had some stats compared to Mariano Rivera that were better than his, and 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 he, Billy Wagner is still up to debate if he's still a Hall of Famer. So um, Mariano Rivera had more seasons played, a better ERA by point point one. Uh, he had more saves by about two hundred, but um, Billy Wagner had more strikeouts, a better K per nine, and a better batting average against than Mariano Rivera. But Mariano Rivera was a unanimous Hall of Famer. So, I mean, he's still on the ballot now, but are you guys surprised that Wagner isn't in the Hall of Fame at this point, Justin? I am because uh, I looked up earlier, he got 68% and you need 75% to make it. So he was very close, and I think he has two or three years left of eligibility. Um, And I was looking at his stats earlier, and there's just no way he shouldn't be in there right now. I mean, I checked, and there's only, I blink, six full-time relievers or closers that have made the Hall of Fame, which is crazy. Obviously, yeah. you did say Mariano Rivera, Goose Gossage, Lee Smith, Bruce Sutter, Trevor Hoffman, and Roley Fing- uh, Raleigh Fingers. So it's it's sad that he's not in there. I think he yeah. should be the seventh, and I hopefully he gets in next year. Do you think, Riley, that rings from the Yankees helped Mariano Rivera get into that Hall of Fame more? Like he had a better chance of getting the unanimous uh, vote uh, for Mariano Rivera than Billy Wagner since I don't think Billy Wagner has a ring or not. I don't think so. What, do you think rings had a factor on whether Mariano Rivera got the unanimous decision or not? Um, I definitely think so because when you think about players, one of the things you consider is how many times they were World Series champion. So whether he had a lot of playtime within those games or uh, pitched a lot of innings, I still think that's one of the things you know them as, a World Series champion. So I think the fact that he did have as many rings as he had definitely played a factor. Yeah, so Mar- uh, Billy Wagner had four last seasons and still had more strikeouts uh, and better K per nine and a better batting average against. I mean, Kara, are you are you surprised too that Wagner isn't alongside your relief pitcher of Mariano Rivera? <laughs> 
Yes, I, I as much as I love Mo, yeah. you can't deny what he did, and I think just the saves. What that's obviously the insane factor. Yeah. But he was just able to, you know, pick you apart. Teams just could not hit off against him. But for Wagner, he talked about it. I know he did play less, but those strikeouts. I mean, when you're dominating your opponents like that for yeah. Wagner, and I think it's you know it's kind of upsetting because like you said, Justin, he's just so close, like on the brink of getting in that seventy five percent, and it's kind of sad to see because if he only has two or three more years left, and you want to have more relievers be in the Hall of Fame because they deserve it, and they're so underappreciated but so valuable on a team, especially in the postseason. Um, like when you're going to World Series, you need a closer. Even in the playoffs, you need a closer. And throughout the regular season, obviously, a closer is can a huge deal for your team. But it kind of shows to see that you know it's overlooked yeah. at, at the sport of baseball. Those closers and those relief pitchers are really overlooked. So I think it would be great for the game of baseball for Wagner to get in, nonetheless. And his career, he just deserves it. He just obviously deserves it. 231 ERA, and like you said, high strikeouts per nine innings, 11.9 strikeouts per nine innings, and 422 saves. Like, yeah, that's, that, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's still an incredible number, but, you know, again, I think it's, I think maybe as we go get older and the years go on, I think there's obviously going to be more relievers that go into the Hall of Fame it's, if they consistently play to their level, which we've seen in our time, but I think Key Wagner, without a doubt, definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I would argue that I would say Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Wagner, and Chapman all had a role of speed being a way to just get by batters as a pitcher. So, I mean, him being part of this change of pitchers now having to throw hard and throwing about upper 90s, low 100s, I mean... These guys had a huge impact on the game. Obviously, like I'm not downing Mo at all. Mo right. definitely deserves it 100%. It's just the fact that Wagner was this huge change that had this huge ha- change in pitching, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. It's kind of the same thing with Bonds. Bonds had a huge thing with home runs, right? Bonds could do everything, but these guys aren't in the Hall of Fame for some reason, kind of. Just boggles me, Kara. Yeah, it really is upsetting. And he said, "I'm looking seven All Star game appearances. Obviously, that's that's valuable to your game yeah. and shows you how dominant you are. And he's only one of six relievers in baseball history to have 400 saves. Exactly. So if that's not telling what is like what is, I don't know that what's left. Like, what do you think is holding? I don't know if anybody can answer this, but what's holding him back? Like, what do you think that everybody's thinking when they're considering his votes? What do you think is is there one thing in a stat line that's Kind of, I want to say alarming, but what's holding him back? Because I really don't see anything from his career. I'm the only thing maybe is the rings, but I don't think you can play adjust that yeah. to your performance in the regular season or throughout your career, especially his longevity too. Because it's not like he was dominant for you know a couple of years, his first early part of his career. I just think that the longevity of his career also should be something that's without a doubt considered in in his Hall of Fame. Yeah, Justin, do you think anything's holding him back? I mean, for me, I don't see anything unless I, I'm missing something big. But do you see anything, Justin, or no? Not at all. I'm looking through season by season. I mean, he, he was get he got MVP votes in 2003. I mean, yeah. even 99. Like as a relief pitcher, too. Like I, there's just there's no argument for him not to be there. And again, he was only I think seven percent short. And I think another guy who was short this year was Todd Helton, who played for the Rockies a uh, yeah. long time. And he was only two percent off, so Helen Mumus like would be in there next year. And mm-hmm. obviously, we got all those big names we're coming up to discuss. But yeah. yeah, I mean, again, I think he has two or three years. Which, if, if I'm Billy Wagner, I would be scared not to get in, obviously, because I mean, Bonds, of course, is a whole another situation with <laughs> yeah. pre steroids, after steroids, mm-hmm. the numbers. I mean, I think even pre steroids, Bonds had 411 home runs. Yeah, so exactly. You can't use that argument saying that, oh, the steroids just boosted it. I mean, it did help him. Obviously, he hit, I think, 73 home runs in a, I don't remember what season, but he broke the record, obviously, had 762 home runs for the career. And there's just no way that Bonds shouldn't be in there. Same as, like, I think, Roger Clemens and yeah. obviously Billy Wagner. And I mean, we'll be, Billy Wagner's not in that category, obviously, but. Not making the Hall of Fame, of course. Yeah, exactly. I would say Pete Rose is probably in that discussion. I mean, exactly. He, he had that whole gambling thing. But um, you mentioned future Hall of Fame candidates, and I want to touch on them. Uh, the MLB released that these guys will be up for Hall of Fame debate uh, for the uh, for Hall of Fame votes next year. And these are a lot of big names, which I'm kind of excited for yeah, about next is a year. Yeah, class. So uh, we have Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, my favorite athlete of all time, Chase Utley, <laughs> Jose Bautista, Bartolo Colon, Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holliday, Victor Martinez, Jose Reyes, David Wright, and Brandon Phillips. So do we think that, um, we'll start with you, Riley, that any of these 
players can get in on their first year, or do you think that there's still guys that are still in the Hall of Fame category that will get that get uh, get that Hall of Fame status first? I'm not sure the first year. I don't think it'd take as many years, like maybe two, three, maybe four, but I'm not sure like in their first year that it would happen. Kara, what do you think? Do we think first year from these guys or no? Maybe, maybe Beltre, Maurer. That's kind of the yeah. two that I would jump out for me. Um, I'm hoping that Bartolo Colon would get in. I, I, I love <laughs> Colon, like just for the game of baseball. Yeah. I, he's just impactful without a doubt. I think I think David Wright will get in eventually. I think it'll take a couple of years for him to get mm-hmm. in. Um, but I think Beltre and Maurer, I think, are the first two that jump to my mind. And Batista, obviously, with what he did, like he's Batista's incredible. I think it'll take him longer to get in the Hall of Fame if he gets in. But I think Beltre and Maurer are my first two that I would say have the highest chance of getting in maybe next year. I think the, a lot of these guys, um, I would say the first few that we mentioned, Beltre, Maurer, Utley, Bautista, and Cologne, all had some sort of impact, and I'll kind of discuss for each of them. I think Beltre, just having fun during the <laughs> game. I mean, you don't have to take everything so seriously, and having him like just be on the field, just him being funny or just doing uh, goofy stuff just – made baseball a little bit more less tense, you know. And then Joe Maurer, just the fact that you can be a lefty and also catch, I mean, that's huge. I mean, there's not really a lot of lefty catchers um, nowadays, and him being a lefty catch, or lefty hitting catcher and uh, having a great arm behind the plate, I mean, just uh, impacts catchers as a whole. I mean, the only, the only other catcher that I can think of that are lefties is Rushman and, and Raleigh from the Mariners, and that's it. So, um, but I think Utley, um, the reason I loved him was because of just how much grit and hustle he had. He never gave up on any play and he just, he taught kids like me that you don't, you always got to try and do something, no matter what situation it is. You might be down 9-2 or you might be up 9-2. You still got to play the entire game as it is like your last game. Bautista just changed the game of bat flips. Yeah. I mean, of celebrating. <laughs> I mean, he, I feel like he has to be in the Hall of Fame just simply because of, that 2015 game against the Rangers, I mean, that's great. And then Bar- Bartolo Colon, I mean, he's just a funny guy. He's also one of those guys that are, like, just that you chill out about. I mean, he wasn't the best hitter, obviously. I mean, uh, he would – sometimes his helmet would fly off when you when he swung a bat. But, I mean, each of these guys had some sort of impact, Justin. I mean, which one to you, I feel like, out of these 10 whatever candidates, do you think had the most impact going into next year? Impact-wise – I mean, just name value. I mean, Adrian Beltre yeah. was always like, when me growing up, every time I heard Adrian Beltre, I would I would think he would be on one knee and hitting the ball over the fence. Or <laughs> stuff. I mean, even messing around with his teammates like Elvis Andrews all the time. Those two used to have fun, and I mean, those Rangers teams that sadly didn't get a World Series, but they were pretty close a couple yeah. times. Obviously, David Freeze had a good answer to them, yeah. took them out. Lance Berkman, all of them, but yeah. yeah, I would say Beltre. If not, I mean, Mowers. I mean, come on, left, lefty catcher, it's it's unheard of. I mean, it's, yeah. of course, there's a handful of, but not really. I mean, and as well, I mean, as a Philly fan, Utley changed my whole perception of second baseman, and yeah. just the grit that he had was amazing as those uh, late 20, uh, 2000 teams were running through the Phillies. Like, the Phillies were just running through everybody pretty exactly. much. So, yeah, I would say the same names we've all been saying. Like, I don't know, like, for me, Victor Martinez, I don't know too much about Victor Martinez. I've heard the name plenty of times, but mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll make it in. I think that's the only name that I would be like, I don't Maybe. know. Yeah. Or the other one I'd be like, yeah, I, th- I could see him in there. The one I think question for me, I mean, I know the name and I know how he plays, but the only other question mark would be, I mean, Victor Martinez is my question mark. And the other one would be honestly, Brandon Phillips. I mean, he's done a lot for baseball, but I just don't see him as, I don't. I think he's just going to be short. I don't think that there's going to be guys that are going to be, um, I guess, less of him. Like, I guess, worse than him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like, I don't see him outperforming other Hall of Fame candidates, and I don't think he's going to uh, reach that Hall of Fame status. But 
Kara, you said yeah to Adrian Beltre having the most impact. You, so you, I'm assuming you think Beltre had the most impact out of all these guys. Yeah, I think so too. Just like like Justin said, for when you're watching on TV as a kid, and just as somebody whose name is repeatedly, you know, always on making headlines, eclipsed over 3,000 hits. That's incredible. 3,166, 477 home runs, and five Gold Gloves. I think underrated his defense. It was in, in third baseman. He was insane at defense, and besides his power you know his power hitting status and how strong he was but also his glove at third base was incredible so it's i think for sometimes it's guys okay they're dominant you know hitting wise but can are how good is their feeling for somebody like beltre who had the best of both worlds I, for me i think he's somebody that jumps out for me and then again mauer that catching you know he was the mvp in the al mvp in 2009 six-time all-star hit over 300 and he was obviously a, a insane batter so i think those are two that i would just see obviously not as a phillies fan i know how much ellie had an impact but i think those two for me are the highest chance to get in get in first yeah and i also think what's interesting about i would say most of these guys is that all these guys that are notable 2024 hall of fame candidates have one ring at at most. Um, I think Bartolo, I don't know if he was on the Mets that season, but Reyes and Wright, I think, were on that Mets team. Holiday has one or two. Utley has one. Beltre doesn't. He's been to the World Series, doesn't have any. Bautista doesn't have any. Like, not a lot of these guys have rings, and we were talking about rings being a factor. So, I mean, do we think that other athletes are going to outperform them in the Hall of Fame conversation, I guess, simply because of rings, Justin? Or do you guys think, or do you think that these athletes just have a point no matter what, no matter if they have rings or not, that these guys will be in the Hall of Fame? Now, I think baseball is a little different than is like basketball with the rings and football with rings. I, I think that the rings do matter, of course. I mean, but only having one and having a great career, like you say, Beltre had, I think, 400 some home runs and there were 3,000 hits. I, that championship would have been, oh, a plus, but Beltre's going to make it in the first or second year. But these guys, like I say, Brandon Phillips or Victor Martinez, they would have got a ring. It They would probably jump up three spots, like, closer to the list. But mm-hmm. obviously, like, Utley has a ring. And, like, I do think Utley without a ring would have a, a harder chance to get in. It, it The ring always is it's a benefit. It's it's just like a perk. And if you don't, if you don't have it, it's definitely harder. But I don't think... In, in baseball, I don't think one championship makes a difference. I would say if if you're the main player on your team, but, like, for example, like, David Wright wasn't as great as he was when they won that title in uh, tw- 2015. Yeah, yeah 20, did they win the title or they lost that title? They won that title, I think. Or they they did win a title. I think it was in 2015. I think so. Okay, okay. Yeah, they, who, they, they beat the Royals? I think so, yeah. Okay, okay. But, yeah, so even then, I don't remember what his stats were in that, that season. And uh, I just think, like him, he, he was a great player. And I, I think, again, it's the, how good are you when your team is really that good. I mean, if you're the, again, like comparing it to basketball, if you're the, the 12th or 13th man, but you get a ring, that ring doesn't matter. Like, for example, like a Patrick McCall gets three rings in three seasons, but nobody really cares about that. So, yeah, rings don't matter too much to me for baseball players. I was wrong. The Mets did lose in 2015. So okay. the last ring they had was in 86. So, um, but yeah, I mean, no matter what, I mean, I, Riley, I mean, these these guys don't have a lot of rings, but I, as Justin said, I feel like rings matter more in different sports. Like, I feel like in the NBA, NBA. When, like if you're making a debate, like let's say between Michael Jordan and LeBron, a lot of people for Michael Jordan, he's like, he has six rings in three, three straight years in three different periods, right? Um, so do you think rings have more of an impact in other sports than it does in baseball because in baseball you can reach so many achievements but still make the hall of fame even though you don't have a ring i definitely think rings are a bigger factor in other sports only because i feel like in baseball you have so many other ways to make up for it like you can win gold glove or a silver slugger so if you're racking those up or a platinum glove then it might kind of out factor the, the fact that you might not have a ring or if you have more gold gloves or all-star votes than more rings. So you might have a higher chance of getting in the Hall of Fame that way, I think. Yeah, and I mean, one of the players, I think, well, two players that stand out to me that don't have rings would be would be Bonds and uh, Mike Trout. I mean, those two. Trout, I feel I, so bad. I feel so bad. I mean, he's won MVP three times. He's gone in pretty much every all-star game that he's been to. One rookie of the year. I mean, right. 
I mean, Kara, I feel like rings doesn't really matter in certain situations at this point. I mean, no matter what, because you can read certain stat lines, but, I mean, your stats can just prove your point to the Hall of Fame in baseball. Yeah, I think rings obviously is like the cherry on top in the Hall of Fame, but you can prove how effective you are. I think it's just so hard for in baseball because like in basketball, you know, football, it's obviously one game and, you know, you want to go home. And then in baseball and basketball, you have this, you know, game series where you can kind of see what happens. But in MLB, like Riley said, you can win so many other things. You can eclipse 3,000 hits. How many home runs you hit in a season obviously makes impact. Your batting average, what's what's going on there? Can you, how, you know, your silver slugger, what is your, is your defense? good too because it's not just um you know it's your offense there but then your defense kind of match that and I think you have to be more well-rounded in that in the MLB to get into this hall of fame and you have to just I think consistently play if you have one or two good seasons or whatever it is but you won a championship in that one or two years you're probably you know you could be like irrelevant or whatever it is but I can't I see a lot of these players jumps out as longevity for these guys how long they played in the game and how you know consistently they were they were just consistent throughout their time and I think that's a huge factor but obviously rings would be nice but I don't think that these the talent and the caliber that these players are it's end all be all for them when they didn't you know get that championship that obviously they deserve but didn't you know get to win yeah a lot of a lot of the things kind of factor in but rings isn't really a big factor uh in this one it can in certain points as we t- talked about in Rivera and Wagner maybe but um but I mean in certain situations if they you don't reach a certain if you reach certain stat lines in MLB I mean, you're gonna you have a very good case to make the Hall of Fame just because baseball is a really hard sport. I mean, the fact yeah. that someone can get three thousand hits and and the MLB <laughs> is very impressive, no matter right. who you are. Yep. So, um, so that's obviously there's certain stats that you can get to get in the Hall of Fame. But we're gonna switch things to current MLB and we're gonna talk about the transactions and movements of the past week. So. We'll just break it down uh, from each thing. So we got Michael A. Taylor going over to the Twins in free agency from the Kansas City Royals. We have a trade from uh, Aldo Alberto Mondesi uh, getting traded to the Red Sox for left-handed pitcher Josh Taylor. And you have Jesus Aguilar signing with the Athletics, which is, I think, the only move that the A's have made um, (laughs) to acquire someone. So, I mean, we've been talking about impact this entire day. And, I mean, these are very small transactions, in my opinion. These guys don't have a huge impact. Nothing really too crazy. But I guess who were the winners and the losers from these? I mean, Aguilar was with the Orioles before. Um, Taylor was with the Royals. And Mondesi was with the Royals as well. I mean, are are the Royals, like, losing these guys? Like, is that a bad thing since you just got Chapman and you're trying to, trying to prove that point that Salvador Perez can be good even on a good team or whatnot? But, um... But who are the Justin? Who do you think were the winners and losers of the of this past week between these three transactions? Oh, obviously the losers gotta be the Royals. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. did they lost. I mean, they lost Alberto and then they lost uh, Taylor. But I do think winning wise, I mean, you could say the Twins technically got a win because Buxton's kind of been hurt here and yeah. there, and Taylor does play center. Oh, he, he did. I assume he'll. I don't think he'll. St- is he supposed to start, Taylor? I mean, I think what I th- what I'm gonna say is that you're probably right with that Buxton thing that he needs to. But Buxton gets injured a lot. We've we've seen that. Yeah. And um, I think Buxton, if he does get injured, that's when they're gonna bring Michael A. Taylor in, and I think they just want Buxton um, to be like his mentor, to be a better player, because Michael A. Taylor is very young. So yeah, he's. Really I think young. that uh, yeah, Justin, he's probably uh, just gonna be the backup or like that speed asset on the bench. So. Yeah, and then I would say it's going to sound crazy. I, I I think the Red Sox are definitely in a little bit of a panic mode. I think they still, with with losing Bogarts, and obviously I think Trevor Story's out with an elbow injury as well. Yeah. I mean, Adalberto, I don't I don't think he's a, like he's he's young, I think he's 27, but what how much is he really going to bring to this, this Boston team that had a really, not a good year this past year, not a great year, and... I, I think that they need more than him. I think they're even looking for more uh, middle infielders. So that would be crazy. I, I, I think they're def not maybe not losing, but I don't think they're winning from getting him at all. I think yeah. it's just like you're just staying kind of in the middle. I mean, you didn't have a great season last year, so I mean, anything up, anything better would be great for them. Yeah, so. I think you're definitely right with um, Red Sox going panic mode 
because they lost Trevor Story. And when Adalberto, when he gets hot, he's hot. But when he's cold, he's cold. He's kind of like, he's just up and down uh, throughout the season. I mean, he's had his moments in his past few seasons that he's had, but nothing really too crazy. I think this is just Red Sox going panic mode, Riley. Do you, do you agree that they're just trying to make sure they have a decent backup for Trevor Story, uh, Trevor Story being out? Yeah, I think, like Justin said, they're definitely probably panicking. I think they probably should have entered the big market or at least tried to get somebody like a bigger name. But I think for now they're probably just trying to have an option at least so they're not like stuck moving, switching positions from what they have with their bench. But, yeah, I don't, like Justin said, I don't think they're winning. I don't think they're like losing. I think they're just like they're content, I guess, with what they did. Yeah, for me, I think – us, I think the A's, in my opinion, kind of won in a situation in in just a slight way. Reason why is because Aguilar's been in the league for a decent amount of time, and um, I mean he's been so he's going on a young team of the A's. I mean they're not gonna, they're not projected to do well, projected to get like probably like another fifty, sixty wins or whatnot. But I mean his veteranism Kara I mean can impact a young team and can just help them in some sort of way probably not improve to being a playoff team yeah. which would be insane if that happened <laughs> right but I mean he can definitely give a lot of experience to these young guys and say hey like if you're doing this uh, you should be doing this or whatnot and just give give guys um, just some pointers uh, that are y- way younger than him and are trying to prove themselves to other teams yeah Aguilar, he's 32 years old um it's only a one-year deal with the A's, too. So it's like, obviously, I don't think he's really planning on. It's only three, worth $3 million. But, like, the A's, like you said, I don't really think that the A's are going to really do anything. Yeah. They're the A's. <laughs> I, it's terrible to say, but, like, you don't really think that they're going to go anywhere. But I think having that veteran presence is going to be, you know, at first base, it's going to be kind of important for them. But I, I it's kind of just unfortunate for the A's. I, I think you, it's just good to just kind of see where he can, you know, lead. He's a, he Once he gets hot, I think he can be pretty pretty decent. But his best year was with the Brewers. That was in 2018, so obviously a couple of years ago. So I think the A's are just, again, they know that they're not really going anywhere, so they have to kind of be in this rebuild mentality, but also trying to, like, pick up the pieces and just give – some people, you know, something to play for. Because I know they had, like, no ticket sales last year. There was nobody even watching right. their games. Nobody was even in attendance. When you have your, your bar practice literally empty, it's yeah. kind of, it's really sad to see. So I think they need some sort of answer. Obviously, I don't think Aguilar's that answer. He's not, he's not answer. answer. He's obviously not that answer. But maybe this is, like, half of phase one, and they're trying to work something in. But yeah. I, I really don't think it's going to be a big thing that's going to, make them a playoff team at all. I don't maybe yeah. a couple more wins if that. I think because it's a one year deal, I don't think it's plan one. I think if it was three years maybe, but um but I think he's just trying to be there just to be the guy to give the young prospects just some knowledge of what to do in baseball and whatnot. But um but a lot of players on the move and whatnot going across uh certain ways, either north, south, east or west. But um, some there's one player that's on the move, uh, going from second base to potentially center field. Uh, Jazz Chisholm uh, wants to move to center field since the Marlins don't have a quote unquote valid one. So he he said, uh, and I quote, "Go out, play the position, and win a Gold Glove." End quote. And mm-hmm. apparently, he thinks he has he has the confidence to win a Gold Glove out in center field. And Justin, do you think that? Jazz Chisholm could achieve a gold glove out in center field, or do you think this is a whole bunch of bogus? <laughs> I think he's just talking very high of himself. I think that he thinks he's going to be I, – I think center field is the hardest position yeah. in baseball. So to say you're going to go out there from the infield to the outfield, go to center and say, oh, I'm going to win the gold glove, I don't believe it. I mean, I, I even if he said I'm going to right field, I don't think he's going to go yeah. win the gold glove. I, I think it's way harder than he's making it seem. I think uh, he's only like 25 or maybe he's going to turn 25. So He's very young. He's very young. You never know. He could blossom into a, a way better way better center fielder than, I mean, some center fielders, but I don't think he's going to just rise to the top and be the <laughs> best center fielder and you know, win a gold glove. No, no chance. Riley, do you agree with Justin or yeah, what? That, that is such a reach to just <laughs> be like, oh, I'm switching positions and I'm winning a gold glove. Yeah. 
that's he just technically forgets saying, that he has competition. Yeah, that's that's technically saying he's going to be the best center fielder in the entire league because Gold Glove is not. I mean, well, no, it is. It's NL and AL, so yeah. he's going to be the best center fielder in the entire National League, which I don't think <laughs> is possible. But, um, but yeah, he's definitely putting that level on himself, Kara. That he can be the best center fielder. I mean. Do you agree with Justin or do you agree with Jazz? <laughs> I think that Jazz is, you know, has a lot to, to prove. I mean, your first year, why would you say that? Like, what yeah. are you saying? What are you saying? Like, I don't understand um, why you would ever say something like that, especially when you're changing positions. Um, like you said, Justin, it's center field. Are you kidding me? Playing in the MLB, you're, you're not. What is he going to be climbing over walls and you know hopping yeah. fences? Like, if if he if maybe he'll boggle all of our minds and you know make these. I, I think he's very athletic, so you can't really. I think he'll. It takes you used to, but when you're going from infield to outfield, even if you played outfield as a kid, you're not going to be able to adapt that quickly in in the MLB. It's, it's obviously going to be a long time coming. And um, he was an all star second. He was he was a good infielder. So I don't I don't know why. Um, obviously, I know why he's going to go into the outfield, but. He was not gonna. I would like to see one ball get hit to him in the first opening day and see what happens. I just yeah. want to see what happens and then we'll talk after yeah. that. Yeah, I think the main reason why is because of the signing of Gene Segura. I mean, they don't, I mean, you don't have a shortstop, but I don't know if Jazz can play shortstop. I'm assuming he can because he plays second base, but um, I think just because of the signing of Gene that they're just gonna put him out in center because. Uh, Jazz thinks that he can just play the position. So I thought Gene was gonna go to third. He could be. I mean, who knows? They, have a, they got a rise, right, too? Yeah, they did. So he's going to so, play second, right? So, um, well, Arias can play first, too. So, I mean, Well, there's also Cooper. So it's probably because of Arias and Segura. So they have a yeah. whole loaded infield, so they're going out into center. So so Jazz is potentially playing center field. <laughs> and um, uh, Mike Clevenger might be going to jail. So, um, <laughs> Way to transition. <laughs> so, um, Mike Clevenger is under investigation by the MLB, allowing uh, following allegations of domestic violence uh, involving the mother of his 10-month-old daughter and child abuse, um, which is honestly very surprising. I mean, it's to me, it's just the fact that you do, like, even no matter who you are, the fact that you do this just makes me mad, but... I mean, what were your thoughts? I mean, did you, did we expect this from Clevenger at all, um, or did you guys just saw this as a surprise? We'll start with you, Justin. No, I was shocked. I remember I walked into uh, radio station the other day. And you told me I was like, "Oh, that's that's very." I mean, anytime I hear something about that, it's just I don't. I always think, of course, it's unacceptable regardless of who you are. But to be a like an athlete who makes so much money and to really throw your career away for your anger issues or yeah. Um, just an imbalance in your brain, or so I don't. I don't know what yeah. causes people to to react like that. It's just, I mean, of course, you always believe the victim. You're never going to believe the guy who obviously wants to keep making money, being a pitcher, and and then will be and stuff like that. But there are people who lie. But I'm not going to say that she's a liar. As she is she's one of his uh, kids' mothers. You said, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah so I, there's no. I don't think she would ever try to throw his career down and lie about it. I think she's probably telling the truth, and I. I think it's sickening that he did that stuff like that. Yeah, I think again, no matter like how like no matter who you are, the fact that you do this is totally wrong. And to what boggles me is just the fact that you have like you like you have like a child, right? Yeah. And you um and you do that to both of them and but you don't see them every day. That's even more boggling to me, yeah. especially that you have a child. So I mean, Kara, what were your initial thoughts of Clevenger? I mean, to me, I don't see Clevenger. I didn't never saw Clevenger as a bad guy like that. And the fact that it came out like this definitely, for me, had a huge turning point in my brain to who Mike Clevenger is. And I think the thing is, the scary thing is you never really know who's actually like that. Because yeah. we see them as pitchers and MLB players, and we high, we regard them highly, and we think of what they're able to do on the pitching mound as, on the team, but we don't see them behind the scenes. Exactly. And we don't see what they do in their daily life, and that's scary. Yeah. Because as fans and as lovers of the game of baseball, we you know hold them on this high pedestal, but behind the scenes... When you're abusing your your mother of your child and your child, that that's a completely unacceptable. That should yeah. you should not ever. For me, I think I'm one for harsher punishment. I don't think you should play if it's proved 
true that this happened and this proof, I don't. I would never sign. I would. You think you should not be playing again? Because yeah. for me personally, I don't think it's acceptable. Because if you let one guy back in, you're letting them all. It's acceptable for all. I know MLB and even NBA and NFL. They have terrible punishments for players who do this, which I, that's a whole different discussion. But the mother of his child, she posted stuff on her Instagram account. She put a whole uh, caption out there, and she put pictures on there there's, there's evidence um she said that she's kept quiet about this for a year um that she that she's been abused for a long time right now so it's apparently he you know was strangling her and throwing things at her and her child it's just very upsetting yeah. to talk about very. but i think this is unacceptable and you do it once and you shouldn't even do it once but this should be the, the fine line i don't think you should you shouldn't once this is proved that it's true and i'm assuming that it's true obviously with pictures and proof and everything like that and obviously there's going to be a legal battle and what, what goes on but it's just kind of sickening to just see this and somebody who was in the playoffs was recently yeah. we were watching recently too um it's just kind of just unacceptable in my opinion yeah i mean just seeing that it's just no matter who it is i mean you might expect some people to do that but some people aren't that twisted to do that and the fact that the news came out riley that clevenger is out out doing this stuff to the mother of his child and his child is just super upsetting i mean what were your what were your initial thoughts on it um i agree with kara like i i was shocked i saw the notification on my phone and i was like whoa yeah um, but like Justin said, you're throwing your career away, especially for somebody who just signed a new contract with a new team. You're kind of like at a new stage in your career, beginning something new. And then this comes out. Um, it's definitely not something that you would expect, but, um, yeah, I, I think athletes, professional athletes, they hold themselves to a higher standard. So they, they probably think like, oh, I can do this and I won't get caught or I won't yeah. have any repercussions. But like Kara said, I think when it comes to something like this, these people need to be punished or the league is allowing others to keep doing it because if they don't punish them, they're telling other players like, yeah, you can do this and you can keep playing. But I think once you do something to this extent and there is evidence or if it is proven to be true or whatnot, I think his career is should be over. Like I know with the Trevor Bauer situation, it came down to like the Dodgers deciding whether they wanted to keep him or not. But I think... I think it should just be like a the MLB should have a say and like no you're done like yeah I kind of agree with that that the MLB should have some sort of say not the team um, just to make the I guess MLB look better um, but do we think that both with the Bauer and the whole Clevenger thing that does it affect the does it affect the MLB as a whole or does it affect like the reputation of the teams that they were on, like, let's say, so, like, at the time, it was, like, Bauer was with the Reds, Indians, or, or Indians at the time, now Guardians, um, and the Dodgers. Does it affect them, or does it affect the entire MLB, like, for, and does it affect, for Clevenger, the White Sox and or the Padres? Justin, we'll start with you. Who does it affect Who does it affect more, the entire organization, the MLB, or each team themselves? I would say the entire organization. If you allow Clevenger or Bauer to come back and then let them play, it's... And as you said, there was an, an option for for Bauer, but it's there shouldn't have been an option in general. I mean, doesn't matter how like I, I almost compared to Deshaun Watson. How did Watson get on the field this year? Ridiculous. I have no idea. Yeah. But like, especially in like what was it, thirteen weeks, right? Yeah, thirteen weeks. Yeah. I mean, there was over twenty five, I think, allegations against Watson. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's less allegations, but less doesn't mean it's better. You're you're still getting accused of a horrible crime, and it's, it's not even like a there's no exception. You can't say, oh, it just happened. Like, you can't do that. It's yeah. like, and that's why I think the individual team, if, if the league is saying, oh, it's up to you, it's, they're not taking any accountability. They want the team to take accountability. So I think it's more on the league and not the Padres or the Guardians or the Dodgers or whatever team mm. these, these two have been on. Yeah, I think, I think it's just the fact for the Watson situation. I know we're kind of trailing off to football, but um, for the whole Watson situation, he came back within the same season, which made, which makes me just, like, which made me mad uh, as a whole. I mean, Clevenger, he, he's probably not going to be on the White Sox for too long, but we were talking about Kara the other day that um, the White Sox having a very young and solid rotation. And yeah. we'll switch things to actually the game of baseball. <laughs> to, to, like, how much does this affect the um, 
White Sox's rotation? Do they need to get another guy in that rotation, or um, do you just ride it out and try and see if you can get a prospect up from their from, from their farm system? I think they're probably going to wait to see. If, like Obviously, this is a new allegations. It just came out. So then they might wait and say, um, okay, is he going to get suspended by the league? Because if he's going to get suspended or whatnot, they need to find somebody. They need to get somebody in their rotation. But mm-hmm. if they're saying, okay, well, it's just alleged right now and there's nothing proven he'll, he can play until that suspension or said suspension – I think they're they're gonna kind of wait it out, which is gonna be it's the horrible thing to do. I I wouldn't do I would not do that personally. I think it's up to I think it says a lot, like Dustin said, about the league as a whole, which is they don't handle this very well, and the the teams themselves need to do something too. I think yeah. I'm not sure if the Twins, um, not the Twins, the White Sox have made a statement. I'm, I haven't seen. I'm not really sure. I and I also is. think it's part of the Padres too to up to make a statement because he did play for them and known for them and yeah. last season and. Um, I think it's up to both of these teams at this point to kind of make a statement. But with the Bauer thing, I think that the Dodgers did what they needed to do. They He should not ever play a game yeah. ever. And, like, Bauer acted like he was, you know, on his high horse doing his own different thing and on social media acting like nothing was really happening. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think any team should pick – I don't think any team will pick up Bauer. I really sincerely hope not that a team won't do that. But, again, Clevenger, this is just opens up a, a whole different thing. And I think that the White Sox are probably going to wait, play it out, Again, because this is so new, but I, I would hope that they would do the right thing. Yeah, and I th- I th- wasn't Clevenger on the Indian slash Guardians at, that t- at one point of his career? I too. think so, too. He was with... And that's a little interesting. I mean, that's slightly interesting that both Bauer and Clevenger were both on the Indian slash Guardians at one point. So, I mean, it's just a whole big investigation at this point, but we will keep you guys updated once the information comes out about what the... Uh, what the MLB is doing about it or what the White Sox are potentially going to be doing about it. But we're going to swing swing things back into our Hall of Fame topic. We, this is where our fun segment comes into play. So we're uh, our last topic we're going to talk about is our top three mascots that we would uh, ourselves put into the Hall of Fame. And I think this is a really cool topic just because I don't think there is any mascots or anything in the <laughs> Hall of Fame yet. Um, but Justin, we'll start with you. Who are your, I guess, top three favorite mascots that you would personally put into the Hall of Fame in Cooper. <laughs> hey, I don't have a specific reason. I, I just, I don't, I don't no watch reason. baseball, really I don't watch baseball for so long. Yeah, no reasons. I've been watching these mascots for so long. Uh, I guess at number three, I have uh, Mr. Red. I just think, <laughs> I don't know, I just like Mr. Red. And uh, two, I have Wally the Green Monster. I think, I think the Red Sox are a staple. I mean, they've been around for so long and it took them so long to finally win a World Series and they did. And uh, I, it's a little biased. I got the Philly fanatic. Yeah. Uh, it's, I just think it's one of the best mascots in all of the sports leagues. If we're being real, so I think I think it should be in the Hall of Fame if they mm-hmm. ever did that. So yeah, does your list look similar, Riley, or is uh, it a little different? My number one is definitely the Philly fanatic. I think he just he gets away with so much stuff, and like even like a team like the Mets, their fans, you know, the rivalry is so strong. But even the Philly fanatic can make Mets fans laugh. And yeah. Um, like I went last year to the Dodgers series and he called a Dodger fan up on top of the dugout and sprayed him with a water gun and <laughs> the Dodgers fans were laughing. Like I, I think when you think of like a funny mascot that like everybody knows about, I think it's definitely the Philly fanatic, but, um, my number two, probably the Mets, um, mascot as much as I hate to admit, <laughs> um, with all the things that they do, like I went to, um, the Mets Dodgers game last year, and when they have Edwin Diaz come out, they yeah, do, like, trumpets so like entertaining mm-hmm. in like such a dumb way, but like <laughs> I don't know, I, I wouldn't get tired of it. And then for my third, um, hmm. honestly, the Houston Astros, yeah. uh, I, I have orbit on my list, looks yeah. funny looking, kind yeah. of. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember during the World Series. The Philly fanatic and him would go back and forth on Twitter and like, yeah, yep. so I think that that was really funny. Yeah, I do think as you just mentioned that it's cool that on like these guys have like social medias. Like, yeah, it's they really have personalities funny. outside of the baseball park <laughs> and whatnot. So, uh, Kara, what's your uh, what's your list looking like for your 
Hall of Fame mascots. Okay, so I do have the fanatic on my list because he's just so iconic. Like I like Justin said, I think in the world of mascots, like in general, he's just so like iconic. And I was actually like like researching the history about him in one of my other classes. Just we had to like talk about it, and I just his history was really cool too. And yeah, and we met the fanatic. Uh, yeah, not too he came to pizza with the pros. Yeah. And it was kind of it's really cool. Um, I had Mr. Met too because like his just big baseball head yeah. is just so funny looking to me, <laughs> and it's just like I don't know. With Same the, with Mr. Red too. Right with the trumpet, it's just kind of um it's like iconic um i just had the guy from the padres the swinging friar i just like the way he looks just, <laughs> i don't know it's just cool looking um i this is like an honorable mention for number four like with the whole nationals like and screech and they have like the presidents when they do like the running around oh, yeah and now yeah. that's my favorite thing ever i love watching those videos like on twitter and like seeing when they have like frozone race them like yeah. i don't know that's just really funny to me but those are like the top that I would say I would love to see a Yankees mascot, but I don't even know what you would do for that. It's yeah. kind of like it's eh. they've tried it before. Yeah, it doesn't work. But yeah. with the fanatic and Mr. Matt, and like I think those are just like icons that you want to see when you go to the ballpark and you bring fans for that. And like the Nationals too, you, that kind of brings fans to the ballpark. So I think those are just the people that I would put in my little mascot Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think the uh, the Nationals mascot is pretty cool, just because it's not like. A president or anything it's the uh national bird of America. right it's, it's an cool eagle. yeah it's, eagle, it's cool so. um but for my list i'll start with my honorable mention i have bernie brewer simply because of the slide out and well it used to be miller park i forget what it's called now but um he has he just has that slide every time they uh they get a home run or whatnot or score a run uh, I also have uh, Oriole Bird, so it's the Orioles one. mascot. That's a good one. I just think he's funny looking, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, and he just he just looks cool. I also have Orbit as well for the Astros, and I I mean it, to me this isn't biased. I mean it I mean it's the Phillies fanatic, but like <laughs> it's not biased just because I feel like he probably in my opinion he has the most personality on the field and just does so much like stupid stuff on the field i mean he has the like the swinging belly thing that he has <laughs> i mean and he just looks goofy i mean he he's just an all-around great mascot and like i feel like everyone um in the world of sports just kind of respects uh respects him in their own way but i mean we all had great uh, mascots that was Kara. A fun one. i mean that was that was, a fun one. i mean you had screech which i wasn't even thinking of i forgot screech existed i, so. I had to like i was like wait, wait, go back to my childhood and what made me like looking at social media and stuff and before that just something that like um like when i used to collect cards and used to see like i used to get cards and then the mascot would be in there i'm like oh <laughs> i remember this card uh, just something that kind of boom and then the, the nationals running around in the outfield uh, the mascots with the presidents and that stuff i don't know that just kind of <laughs> made me laugh so kind of bring some more positive this episode i think that's really fun that we can kind of tie that into our whole yeah. different thing so we'll definitely bring some more segments like that throughout the entirety yeah. of of the year so far but again that will pretty much wrap things up for this episode thank you guys so much riley and justin for joining us today for caraguno and jack miller thanks saying yep. thank you so much and keep on listening to the 10th inning podcast on RoanRadio.com. you've been listening to the 10th inning podcast with your hosts, Jack Miller and Cara Guno. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find 10th Inning and every Rowan Radio sports podcast by searching for Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your podcast.